Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants Inn Chambers. In our podcast series, we are going to discuss a range of topics affecting police officers and anyone involved in the criminal justice system. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com. Hello and welcome to our next episode of Plod. I'm Daniel Burke from 3D Solicitors and I'm delighted to be joined by James Berry, who's a specialist in police law uh, and a barrister at Sergeants in Chambers and a regular contributor to Plod. James, thank you for coming along again. We're talking today about a subject that we uh, received an email from one of our listeners asking if we could do uh, a podcast on this and it's about appropriate personal relationships and behaviors in the police workplace the mpcc the national police chiefs council published guidance on this in 2019 and i'm delighted that james is able to come and discuss it with us james how did the need for this guidance come about well, thank you, Dan. The Code of Ethics has always had a section on the standard of authority respecting courtesy that, that deals with relationships. And in terms of relationships in the workplace, it says, uh, according to this standard, you must ensure that any relationship at work does not create an actual or apparent conflict of interest and that you must not engage in sexual conduct or other inappropriate behaviour when on duty. But notwithstanding that guidance, there have been a number of relatively high profile cases involving relationships between police officers um, and sex on duty. I think the MPCC thought it would be appropriate to produce some specific um, bespoke guidance on the steps that can be taken to mitigate those kind of risks. So, look, I think we we probably all appreciate that having sex on duty isn't a sensible thing to do when police officers are supposed to be doing their jobs. But is that what this guidance is about? What sort of relationships does this cover? Yes, well, I think sex on duty is um, is taken as read as something that's that's not permitted in most workplaces, but certainly the police. This guidance says that it covers um, and is concerned with intimate or sexual relationships rather than social relationships. Well, sexual relationships are easy to define. Intimate relationships are a little bit more difficult to define, a little bit more nebulous. And the wording used is different to the code of ethics, um, which refers to emotional relationships. But but what it's um, really talking about is a relationship between two partners or, or potential partners in the workplace, not necessarily one conducted at work, but where the two people work together and there is the potential for a conflict of interests to emerge. So the, the guidance is um, interesting. It states the purpose of the guidance is to ensure that staff who are in a relationship recognise when a conflict may be created and that it does not negatively impact on the work of the service or its reputation. It is not intended that a register of personal relationships is created or that our approach does not recognise that relationships exist in the service. So what sort of conflicts, in practical terms, what sort of conflicts can arise and how does the guidance and the code aim to avoid these? Well, 
the test, I think, is where a reasonable bystander could take the view that there is a potential for bias in favour of one party to um, the relationship. So, of course, if, if, if you're a line manager in a relationship with one of your direct, direct reports, you may well think that you um, are in no way biased and would never show favouritism to the um, officer with with whom you're in a relationship. But of course, that's not how um, the reasonable bystander would probably see it. And it's certainly not how many of the officer's colleagues might see it. Um, And so this really um, focuses on the uh, relationships between line managers and their reports between people charged with recruitment or promotion decisions and those who are applying for the roles in question, with people taking disciplinary and performance decisions in respect of the officer who is or may be subject to those decisions, and also um, decisions about things like deployment and training, where it could be said that the person who was making the decision exercised that decision more favourably to somebody with whom they were in a relationship. Is less concerned with, for example, two police constables serving together on the same team, although there may be circumstances I can see where that could become an issue, but it may be more concerned with uh, perhaps um, a, a more senior member of staff with a more junior member of staff, uh, especially when they report into them? Yes, I, I wouldn't say it excludes relationships between people on the same team, but it certainly is um, focused on situations where there's an imbalance of power or situations where um, one party of the relationship has a decision-making role where it could be said that that decision was somehow exercised more favourably in favour of the person with whom they're in a relationship. So what factors can be considered to ensure that relationships don't create any negative impact on the legitimate aims of policing? The easiest thing would be not to have a relationship at all, but of course that's... um, We're human, yeah. Realistic. Um, But the purpose of the guidance is to ensure that, that that risk is mitigated And it's mitigated by the fact of the relationship, even if it's not out in the open, is at least known to line managers or um, other appropriate persons. And those persons can have considered and reached a decision on how the risk could be removed or mitigated. And that might be requiring one party to remove themselves from a decision-making process most decision makers will, um, before they make a decision, consider whether they have a conflict of interest and recuse themselves anyway. But um, this would mean that the person to whom the relationships reported could decide whether that was necessary. It could mean requiring one of the officers not to work on the same shift or the same team with the other officer. And in exceptional circumstances, the guidance says it could include um, redeploying one or both of the individuals that might be to work at a different station or a different department or a different area of policing within the force. In practical terms though James these things aren't always as cut and dry as a a relationship it it may be that there's been a one-night stand which may not be considered by either party to be a relationship or one may want something to progress into a relationship where another may not feel there is one. And police officers may have concerns about 
privacy. And as I say, they're not always straightforward. How far do rights to private life protect police officers from being required to share this information? Yes, well, in these in these cases, and I've done a few of them, the response from the officer is usually either that the relationship, um, if it could be called a relationship, was very much at uh, an early stage, and so the requirement to report hadn't been engaged, or the officer has um, a right to a private life um, and they didn't want to reveal the relationship, and that could be, for instance, because they were um, in a uh, same-sex relationship they didn't want their colleagues to know about or they were having an affair and they didn't want their wife or or children or colleagues um, to find out about it. Pausing there, these are all real-life examples you've come across in practice? They are real-life examples, yes. And so Article 8 is plainly relevant because somebody's sexual or emotional relationships fall within their private life um, and there would need to be some uh, justification uh, for the intrusion in the private life of an officer or member of staff. And, th- and that justification is largely found in the conduct regulations and the need to uphold public confidence um, in the police and to ensure that police decisions are making, uh, are taken without bias. But of course, that um, does play into the extent to which is proportionate to require information to be declared to line managers or others in the force about relationships. Um, I, I say that Article 8 is engaged. There are cases where it's been held that it, it, it wasn't engaged. And, and one case I'm thinking of um, in particular, where um, not a police officer, but an employee was dismissed after having sex in a room in the office after hours. And the um, High Court found that the officer didn't have, or the um, employee didn't have a reasonable expectation of privacy. And there's no right to have sex at work and and not to have it investigated and to be dismissed for it, uh, if that's what was found by a disciplinary panel. But generally, um, it's the proportionality of the measures that will be considered. um, And that will depend on an analysis of each case on its facts. So if the officer has intensely personal reasons for not reporting something, then um, it may be that it wouldn't be uh, appropriate to bring disciplinary proceedings. But in most cases of a straightforward relationship, the requirements in this guidance are not particularly um, onerous. And there would not be a a particularly strong argument that the officer's um, rights to a private life um, were engaged and violated to an extent that disciplinary proceedings couldn't be brought when an officer doesn't follow what they're required to do by this guidance. The guidance isn't asking for the gory details. It's simply a notification that there is a relationship that could potentially cause conflicts in certain circumstances. So your advice would be to err on the side of caution for officers. Um, Absolutely. And, And the guidance is sensitive to the fact that these are difficult conversations to have um, with anybody, but in particular, they might be a difficult conversation to have with your direct line manager. And in circumstances where the officer does not want to discuss the matter with their line manager, they could discuss it with um, somebody else of appropriate rank in the force, so a second line manager or someone from human resources. So for line managers, what are their duties? What should they be considering? 
Well, they need to assess the information they're given. So what is the relationship, the nature of the relationship and who is involved and to what extent the the duties of the two individuals overlap, to what extent does one have decision-making functions that do or could result in them making decisions about the other party to the relationship. They then need to consider mitigation measures. So it may be simply that a chief inspector is having a relationship with a sergeant And the mitigation measure is that if the chief inspector is ever in a decision-making role that could require them to make decisions that affect the sergeant, that they have to recuse themselves from that decision. I mean, that really should be happening anyway, but there could be a simple mitigation measure like that. But if it's a case of a tutor constable forming a relationship with a tutee, which of course shouldn't happen in any event, but if, if that were the case, it would be very likely that... Uh, the duty would have to move to a different duty constable. And whilst these are uh, uncomfortable private things that, that may need to be reported, as, as well as the risk of disciplinary action, you know, failing to report relationships when decisions are being taken could have disastrous consequences in uh, for disclosure purposes in criminal cases. Yes, and that's that, that's another good reason for these things to um, be disclosed. So it's clear that there was no, well, so that uh, the other side in any litigation can't suggest there was an effort to cover this up or a failure to disclose it. So it's known known that the matter was reported, recorded, uh, and, and risk mitigation measures were put in place. And in what circumstances are professional discipline actions likely to be taken? Well, in my experience, there are there are two types of well, there are really three types of case here. That there are cases where an officer is suggesting that uh, one of their colleagues, and usually one of their senior colleagues, abuse their position in order to enter into a relationship with them or prolong a relationship that they wanted to end, and that they're quite different types of cases to the ones that are directly concerned with this guidance. Um, in terms of this guidance, um, there are the cases where a conflict of interest has arisen and the relationship hasn't been declared. So uh, one officer has taken a decision in favour of the officer with whom they're in a relationship. So there is actually a conflict of interest there. Those cases um, are uh, rightly viewed as being serious. And then the other type of case arising out of this guidance is where there is a failure to disclose the existence of a relationship, even if no conflict of interest has yet arisen. And those cases are more difficult for the appropriate authority. The outcomes are normally less severe. Um, The officer will often say, well, the relationship was at quite an early stage or the relationship really wasn't that serious. I didn't think it had to be declared yet. Or, you know, on reflection, perhaps I should have done, but that just wasn't um, what I was thinking at the time. And in any event, no conflict of interest has actually arisen. Now, clearly, there would be um, a breach of this guidance if the relationship hadn't been declared. Um, but uh, those cases are less severe than cases where there's been no declaration and there has been a conflict of interest. Well, James, thank you very much. I think it was clear very helpful and it plainly is an issue for many many police officers so uh, i'm sure they'll find that very helpful thank you again for joining us and i look forward to hearing from you again in our next series thank you thank you very much dan 
Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com.